Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. What's going on, guys? Ty from Breaker Culture, and this is Breaker Culture Weekly. Episode 44. Thank you so much for joining. Um, look, this has been a rough week in Kansas City. It took us a couple days to get over the stinging home loss uh, to the Patriots. But, man, got to give props to, to Tom Brady. The guy just continues to get it done. But, uh, look, here we are a week away from the start of the hobby season, as most people view it, with the release of Series 1 Baseball. comes out the 30th next week. Um, and today we're going to spend some time breaking it down. Uh, I bring back Chris from CRT Sports Cards to talk through Series 1. And yeah, he does a good job of helping you understand really what Series 1 is all about uh, as a new collector for those that are listening that don't have an early good vibe for Series 1. But we also talk about what the differences are between this year and last year and what you should be looking for. Um, so lots of good information there. Hopefully it helps you as you're uh, going out and, and grabbing boxes uh, from retail locations or grabbing hobby jumbo boxes uh, from different stores online uh, or your local hobby shop. Uh, it's a great, great product. It is so so fun to take part in Series 1 every year. So I want to make sure that you are fully educated about the process and what goes into Series 1 and what you should be doing if you're looking to flip and, and, and make some of your money back and collect the right cards. So that's what today is all about. But at the very end of our conversation, uh, I recorded a separate segment just to walk through a little bit about uh, my most recent pricing ladder I put out. I've avoided putting contenders football pricing ladders out for, for some time because I there's just a lot of work that goes into it. The checklist, the rookie ticket auto checklist is about 120 cards, which is insane. Uh, so I, I stayed away from that for a couple of years. But this year, I felt like it was the right time, and I spent more time than I ever have uh, cleaning up the data and positioning and putting out the foundation of, of the, the rookie pricing ladder for Contenders Football. That is out there. The very end of the podcast, I jump back on and I review it with you and help you understand really what's happening with Contenders Football. Okay. The second thing that's really important for you to know today is that I am giving a couple free boxes away and I'll I'll hold back the names of those boxes but it'll be sealed boxes of a couple new products coming out uh, for any new iTunes review that we get in the next week today is Wednesday I will stretch this out until Thursday of next week so any new review it doesn't have to be a five star I'm, I'm not I'm not asking you to give me a five star I want you to give me an honest review of the Breaker Culture Weekly Podcast on iTunes um, it's got to be an actual written review uh, not just the stars <clears throat> And every single name, username that is entered into uh, into your into the the review uh, section of iTunes will be entered into a box giveaway for uh, for the next week. So yeah, I want I want to reward you guys. Uh, I do appreciate the many, many listeners that we have, and we've continued to get great feedback, but uh, it does help us when we get reviews on iTunes, uh, mainly because it helps move us up uh, in, in, in the search results, and it helps us kind of uh, become a little bit more exposed uh, within the hobby. So uh, really, really appreciate if you do that, and we'll reward you. Uh, my only caveat to that is that I'd like to see at least 10 reviews. 
um, by next Thursday. If we can get that, then I'm giving away two boxes to two of you great listeners. So, all right. Uh, Other than that, let's get to the interview. Let's break down top series one, and then I'll catch you in the backside talking about contenders football. Enjoy the show. Chris, how you doing, man? Good. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Sun is shining. We just got three inches of snow in Kansas City. It's perfect. Nice. Nice. It's raining, or has been raining quite steadily for the past day, day and a half here in Seattle. You just missed the rain last week, so. I know. Yeah, right? In and out. Good time. The, uh, we were talking beforehand, but man, I, I love your city. I really do. It's such a great city. I'm jealous. It's great because, I mean, the, in, it's a big misconception of the rain. So it never, like, pours here. So, like, living yeah. in Texas and living in, the, in in Tennessee, you know, there's thunderstorms and showers and downpours. It doesn't do that here. I think it's thundered maybe three times in the six years I've lived here. It's just wow. a steady wetness. And so it, you just you just adapt to it, and it's not actually that bad. You just sort of just go on with your day. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it for sure. I, uh, it's, it's funny how you, you just see the attitude around there. It doesn't change at all. Whether training or yeah. sunshine, it's just uh, yeah. kind of cool. Uh, so the best thing that came out of my trip last week, and I'll mention this because I think it's it's worthwhile, uh, is I I just wrapped up a, the book Shoe Dog from Phil Knight. Okay, you know the guy who started Nike. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Have you read the book? I have not actually. Put this on your list because it it goes okay. to the top five books all time for me. One of the best American tales that I've never ever read. So good. Phil Knight is such a good writer. Um, and the story is incredible, obviously, but being from the uh, Northwest right now, probably a good story. Yep. For, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it's on my notes. I will put it down and I will, I will, uh, I'll pick it up. Yeah, for sure. It's really, really good. Oh, the audio book's good too. So I try to, that's one it. thing I've never done. I've, I've, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've never, sort of indulge myself into an audiobook and so I'm I've always thought about it but I'm like is it the same but I probably should as much as I'm on the road with driving for work and stuff yeah little little trick that I found is uh, obviously audible's great Amazon's done a mm-hmm. job audible but listening at 1.5x speed is like the perfect speed to me and it mm-hmm. allows you to get through books you know in 3 hours and so basically that's- once a week once a week and a half you get through a book on audio that's good that's good Cool. Well, man, we are what are we a week away? Yeah, a week from today. Yeah, kind of. It appears retail hit yesterday in so some it, stores. Is that actually happening? So I, I did see some of that floating around. So is it just a couple stores, or is it nationwide? Have we seen it pop up? I think it's just a couple stores. Okay. I don't know how well, how widespread it is at the moment, but even even a couple stores getting it early, then that means everybody's going to go try hunt it down. Oh, so yeah. and it's it's frustrating because it's. It's eight. It's seven days. Actually, eight days early because it was yesterday. Mm. So that's that's a massive head start, especially on some of the parallels and oh, yeah. and short prints and things like that. So you know, two days is a big head start for most people. Seven days is is astronomical. But it's retail. It'll be limited. So we'll see how it goes. But it is at least somewhere. It's out somewhere in the country. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because I think the benefit you and I and other people get is the scans and just seeing the images. Yes. So I, I do. I was fascinated by some of those. I, I like all the stats yep. back this year. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. But 
Interesting. Okay. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to keep my eye out here, but uh, so we're talking about top series one, 2019 top series one, obviously the flagship product for baseball. Um, this marks the beginning of baseball. And really, I think the beginning of the collecting season uh, uh -huh. for, for the year um, hobby releases on Wednesday. I think retail is actually supposed to hit on Friday, next Friday. So yep. I mean, we're talking like actually 10 days ahead of schedule of retail. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so yeah, let's let's start with this. The big question is, wh why is Top Series One such an important product for the hobby? I think number one, it's the legacy, and it has that that pull to the baseball season. People know that when this comes out, it's a new season, so everybody's you know excited about their team, about their upcoming prospects. You know, football season is winding down. I don't follow basketball, so I don't even know where basketball season is at the moment, but. The two major sports is, you know, football is winding down, one game left. And, you know, this time of year, we're seeing a lot about pitchers and catchers reporting, the last minute free agents are signing. And so it's sort of the kickoff to the the entire year. Yeah. Um, it's obviously not about rookies. Correct. What uh, What is the big draw for Top Series 1? So, And I guess gear this towards the newer collectors. There's a lot of newer collectors listening to the show now that are just getting back on the hobby. Why should they be paying attention and what should they be paying attention to in top series one? So look, there are rookies in the product. There are, there are a handful. There are a couple guys who are going to carry the product, you know, on the rookie side, but for the most part, it's about the team collectors yeah. and it's about the individual player collectors. It's about having the certain parallels, you know, it's about having the, the, the black out of 68 parallels this year. It's about the independence day parallels. It's, it's all about that stuff. So mm -hmm. it's, it's about the, it's about the X, Y, and Z. It's not about the, the A, B, and C hits that drive group rate products. It's about the run-of-the-mill, you know, parallels for your team or your individual player collectors. I love it. I love the fact that this product, you just said it, this is not geared towards group breakers. Mm -hmm. It is, It is. in fact, it is a terrible product to group break. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Very few breakers yeah. do it because of the time and just a lack of big hits. Uh, yeah, so. for example, I've, I've been taking you know, on Twitter requests for players, hey, let me know who you collect. I will then let you know if I pull anything of note and, and we'll go from there. And, and my player list right now from for people on Twitter is I think twice as big as my my player or my team collector list. Wow. So the draw there is, hey, if you hit this player, let me know. And I got a couple guys that are two and three deeps, like Mookie Betts and, and Reese Hoskins. So, you know, hmm. people, there's a lot of demand on the player side, really player player driven and then secondarily team driven, but definitely not, not hit driven. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. It is a true collector's product. Um, yes. The best way I think to summarize that. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the differences between this year and last year. And, and again, we'll, we'll take this with a grain of salt. We don't know odds. We don't know exactly how it's all going to play out, but I think mm -hmm. initial reactions to the checklist were, Oh my goodness, this is a crazy product. Um, well, what's so crazy? Yeah, the, the checklist itself, the base checklist is what we expected. Yep. The, the big challenge came in on the insert side. So, so for anyone who doesn't know, they changed the configuration of the product. So in hobby, what I, what I focus in on is it went from a 36 pack box, 10 cards a pack to now 24 packs, 14 cards. So you've gone from over 430 packs in a case to 288. And the, the biggest challenge we saw with the checklist is they increased the master set 
by over six or by sixty cards. Mm. So not only are you re- you're removing a hundred and forty plus packs, you're then increasing the inserts to to over sixty. So it's going to make that master master set chase that much more difficult. And once and to your point, once we see the odds, it could become not astronomical, but you could see a product go from one case for a master set to maybe three, four, even five cases, hmm. depending on on how the odds come out. Which is insane. So just to put the numbers in perspective, master set last year was 660, master set this year, uh, hobby, you know, I guess the standard master set 720. So 10, 10% increase. So, so what, why do you think Tops is doing that? I mean, what, what is your gut telling you on why they would, are they trying to weed out some of the, the craziness with folks cracking so many cases? Uh, are they trying to put some scarcity around master sets for to kind of get back to the old days. What what do you think their reasoning is? I mean, at the end of the day, I don't I don't think they really care who opens their product. I think they care most about selling their product. And you know, once it's out to the distributors, they're on to the next big thing. So I think it's really about meeting the demand. They understand. I think cards are extremely extremely popular than where they were maybe three, four, even five years ago. So if they can if they can create more inserts or create more chase cards or whatever, you know, th- that maybe helps the product overall. But for people who are breaking this from the perspective of, well, one, one case is a master set and, and, and 10 or 12 base sets, it really hurts the, the number perspective. But at the end of the day, I think it's about meeting the demand for the customer and making sure they have enough, enough cards of every player for everybody out there. Yeah. Um. Do you, do you think having master sets uh, with a little bit more scarcity around them? So let's just, let's just say that it takes three three and a half cases to get a full master set. Do you think that's a good thing for the hobby? Do you like it? I guess is a better question. <laughs> I look it's it's going to make them harder to come by. But if they go from one master set a case to one master set every three cases, the customer is not going to pay three times the amount of money mm-hmm. because of that. So. Yes, it's better. You're gonna have a you're gonna have less sellers to deal with. You're gonna have less of that sort of race to the bottom with sets that really hurt those sets because of the shipping costs and and everything else. But no one's paying six hundred dollars because this set took three mass three sets three cases to do. Right. So you're you're giving up money because you might you might get up to fifty percent more. It might go from you know one seventy five to two seventy five three hundred depending on how the season goes. But you're not touching four to five hundred dollars. So you're losing. Yeah. A couple hundred dollars just by it going to one and in three cases versus one in one. Right. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. There, there is a tipping point somewhere in there, and I mean, the reality is, it's a top series one master set, and you're <laughs> there's only a certain amount someone's going to pay for it. I, I yeah, and I, sure. I compare it to you know transcendent. If if transcendent cards cost what the case costs or what the box cost, yep. what the box cost, mm-hmm. all those cards would be thousand dollar cards, but just because the product costs more doesn't necessarily mean the hits are worth more. Right, exactly. Yeah, S- scarcity does not automatically mean a higher price. Uh, on exactly. the basketball side, the perfect example is you know Prism Silvers, where scarcity is <laughs> there's three to 5,000 of each of these cards and they still go for $100 each. Whereas yeah. Optic Basketball has the same silver hollow that's 10 times harder to get and they're, they're, they sell for nothing. Scarcity doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and and I wasn't I wasn't too concerned with the the loss of essentially one base set per case. That's only like twenty thirty bucks at the end of the day. But if if it's now one hundred and fifty dollars, yeah. 
times four or five, that's a substantial, hmm. you know, realignment of my projection. So we'll see how it comes and the odds should be out here soon. We'll figure all that out. But it's, yep. it's interesting to see the, the configuration change to a reduction in packs, but then they then bloat the set essentially and, and make it 60 cards deeper. Yeah, so I guess from a the, the pack number is is dropping, but the cards per pack is increasing. But you're still losing 288 cards on the retail side and 240 on the jumbo side. Is that right? Well, 288 in the in the hobby case. Not oh, the hobby side. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So 288 and then 240. So while yeah. 288 is not a full a full base set, it still roughly equals out to you're missing yeah. a set. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right, so so how are you approaching pricing then right now? I mean, again, we're a week out. You're probably going to start getting – do you already have master sets up? I have not because okay. once I figured out with the configuration change, I'm waiting to see how the product broke down because once the checklist – once the configuration was announced yeah. and then the checklist was announced, it was like, wait, I'm, I'm holding back. I think people right now at 175 who are pre-selling it are going to be in for a shock because they might not know about the changes or they haven't seen the checklist. Mm. I still think it's at 275. You could it possibly might touch $300, you know, based on how it breaks down. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm holding off on the master sets. I am pre-selling base sets at you know on Twitter about $27 a piece. And if you buy mm -hmm. more, of course, it'd be a little bit less for you know saving on shipping and things like that. But I I think those should be higher, 35, maybe 40 bucks with this change. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think that people are going to pay $35, $40 for yep. a base set of tops. So I think that number should be higher, but I don't think, I don't think the market's going to put it at, at that rate. So I'm, I'm fine selling them at 27. I've got 45 plus, you know, available to sell. I'll be fine with those and, and we'll go from there. Gotcha. Okay. So 275 seems like, I mean, looking at eBay 175 to 300 and the 175, like consider those the anomalies that probably aren't going to fill anyway, but 275 is the number. I think folks should be aiming for. Yeah, two seventy five, and then we'll see how it goes. And, and if jumbo is even is even worse, it could even be higher because it could take if it takes six to seven jumbo cases to open, that could also have a ripple effect too. So we'll we'll see. But yep, patience Absolutely. right now. I want to know, but it's just patience. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the differences between hobby and jumbo, and then I can break down the differences between hobby, jumbo, and retail. Uh, but what are the main differences between hobby and jumbo? I know you're a big fan of hobby. Why yeah. so? I think for two reasons. It's it's the clear parallels, and I say this almost all the time. It, it, those cards are amazing. They're limited to a hundred or a hundred players, and there's yep. ten per card. Mm -hmm. And then the red autos. Those are those are those are hobby exclusive. Those are out of twenty five. Those are just phenomenal. Yes, they're going to be one every three to four cases. You're not going to get one every case, but yep. when you do, it's so much better than having just a random auto in an in an eighty in a jumbo box. Right. And I think uh, also, oh, go ahead, sorry. You can, oh, go ahead. No. no, you're fine. You're fine. I was just going to say, I, I think there's also the, the question mark around blacks. Uh, yes. There's a little bit of confusion around if that's going to be exclusive to hobby this year. It seemed like maybe the wording was a little confusing on uh, blowouts <laughs> recent uh, solicitation. So did you get any more clarification on that or are we still kind of up in the air? Yeah, so I, I talked to an individual who, who knows this. The the blacks are in both hobby and jumbo. So there was a, a miswording on the blowout side, which I I thought was interesting. But yes, black parallels out of 68 will be both in hobby and jumbo this year. Not in retail, but in the hobby formats. Perfect, perfect. Okay, great. 
Yeah. So yeah, black black is a is a hobby jumbo exclusive. You won't find black in in any of the uh, retail SKUs for sure. But in terms of the other parallels, um, so I mean, obviously the big one's gold that Correct. folks can relate to the quickest. That's numbered to the year, right, to 2019 this year. And then just kind of stepping down, uh, Rainbow Foil, which I hear, at least from the folks that got retail this year yeah. already, Rainbow Foil is really good this year. Yes. Um, they're one in 10 packs. And then you go Vintage Stock to 99. Independence Day, number to 76. Black, number to 67 or 68. Uh, Mother's Day Pink, number to 50. Father's Day Blue, number to 50. Memorial Day camo number to twenty five, and then platinum, which I thought was only retail. Is that true, or do you do you know if it's in hobby too? Those are so one the one. the I know the eighty four tops are are hobby exclusive. Okay, I don't have I I need to see the odds just to know for sure. But just going off the sell sheet, I know the eighty four tops one ones are are only in hobby. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But we are also forgetting about the the new parallel this year, which is the 150th anniversary parallel. So those are numbered out of 150 to coincide with the 150th anniversary yep. of Top Series One. Correct. Yep. And that those are one in six packs. That's the newest yep. uh, parallel added into Top Series One this year. So. Yes, and it also will be the first parallel that we will be able to pull in any insert. So this year on the insert side of things, they used to have the blue parallels, which were limited, non-numbered and the blacks at a 299. Now the inserts are starting at 150. Now it's gonna make them harder to come by. Are they necessarily more valuable now? No, but they're going to be harder to pull now. Yeah, and I think you and I both agree that they weren't valuable anyway, at least the blacks and the blues. No, So they were, they were great to sell sideways on Twitter to player collectors, just hey, you know, here you go. Here, a couple blues or black, and, and go with it. I, I, I pegged them at a dollar all the time, and if I was able to pick up, you know, them at sixty cents or sell them at sixty cents a piece, I was very happy to get to yep. move those. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I love the move. I think it's a great move that hopefully, yeah, hopefully they they kind of stretch that across products the rest of this year. Where uh, high numbered inserts are just I don't know. I don't think they have a. They don't really have a place in the hobby right now. There's just no. There's they're too not... many other parallels with base cards Correct. where. It just confuses people. Yeah. Especially on an insert. I mean, like with Tops Now or Top Salute, you have you know, gold, red, you know, black, blue. It was just too red. It was just too much. It was just, hey, yeah. give me an insert. Give me two or three parallels. Make them limited. And let's go with it. Let's keep, keep, the, keep the parallels in the base set. And inserts yeah. are, are what they are. For sure. For sure. Yep. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, the, the only other thing I'll mention about retail. So, what? I guess we should summarize the master set real quick. So 720 is the total master set that includes the 350 base cards and the seven insert sets. Correct. Um, insert sets are, we, we real quickly, 150 card, which is mind blowing to me. There's a 150 card yes. set. It's the 150 years of professional baseball. Uh -huh. There's a hundred card set for 1984 tops. There's a 50 card set for iconic, um, iconic reprints. And then okay. you got 25 evolution, 25 greatness returns, and then 10 of the revolution of the games and 10 of the tops now. Yeah. Uh, it's a side note on the tops now cards. They look like advertisements. So when you're opening your product up, don't throw them away. I almost did that last year because I wasn't thinking about it. 
Oh, I'm so I'm so not a fan of those cards, but whatever. They're yeah, in the set. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But um okay, so that that rounds out the seven twenty. What you will find in retail, any of the retail SKUs will have this hundred card set superstars of baseball. Um that is across all retail SKUs. Um so that kicks it up to eight twenty. And then Blaster Box will have a Grapefruit League Greats 30-card set. And then Retail slash Gravity Feeds will have another 30-card set for Cactus League Greats. So you have another 60 there that gets you to 880 total. And yep. then if you add in the Walmart Targets, Walmart has the Ronald Acuna Highlights 30-card set. And yep. Target has the Glaber Torres Highlights 30-card set, another 60. So if you wanted to go for everything... It's 940 cards for the master master set. That's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to start a new trend. Yeah. Master master set. Super master plus plus. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, would it's, that it's sell crazy for? On, I, you know, I would think $1,000, honestly, because of the, the amount of changes due to the fact that it's so splintered in, in, in different, very indifferent packouts, gravity feed. You know, the blasters. I mean, there's a hundred card retail set. Yeah. That's just astronomical. Yeah. Not only do you have a 30 card Target set with Glaber Torres and a 30 card Acuna set. Yeah. You've got a hundred card Superstars of Baseball. I mean, that's that's 200 cards basically right there almost. And to be able to buy all that product, to get all those and to have the right collation, good luck to you. I think you deserve to put it over $1,000 just because you did all the hard work. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. Will anyone pay that? No, a hundred percent not. But I think a starting bid best offer a thousand bucks. Well worth it. Well worth it. Yeah. Just put it up there and see. I mean, if you're going to, I mean, if you, if you, you almost are owed a premium because of the work you put into this. So, I mean, yeah, put it up there for a thousand and just see what happens. So. I agree. I agree. That'll be fun. It'll be fun if anyone is able to even, even list that. I mean, because it, it sounds like you're going to need multiple cases of basically all the retail SKUs in addition to three to five hobby cases. I mean, it's a lot of money you have to spend to even have it. Yeah, you need, you, need, you need these cases, and you need this case, and you need these gravity packs. Then you got to call Walmart. Then you got to call Target. You got to go back to Blowout. And, and it's just like, I'm, I'm confused, and I haven't even opened a product yet. yet. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's... It's mind-numbing to figure out all of this, the splintered approach to this, but you know it is what it is. Totally, no, I love it. I, I think the chase of all that makes this thing really, really fun. Um, but it uh, does. okay, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, process for you ripping Top Series One. What? Uh, how do you approach a product like this? Give some tips to the folks that are maybe ripping a case or two for the first time. So from the sorting perspective, I sort at the end I, because those are basically, we know what they are. Now this year with the change, I will sort the first box I open for a base set just to figure out, hey, is it still one base set per box? And then I'll put mm. the rest of them aside and go from there. I just got, I have to know. Yep. Then from there, I'm listing any, any low numbered parallels, any autos first. You know, it's key to be first to the market. We talked earlier, retail is already out eight days early, so you, you might already sort of miss that, that first window. But on the hobby side or anytime you're breaking a case, get that stuff up first, be the, be the trendsetter, set that market price, and then go from there. So I'll, I'll work down from low number to high number. You know, Previously, if I was doing the blue and black parallels, 
that'd be the last thing I list. You know, they're not going to fetch a big dollar amount. There's no need yeah. to right. get those up immediately. I'm thinking low, or low number to high number, and, and then go from there. Mm. Okay. Um, what are you looking for as you open? What are you What are you kind of pulling out? What are you uh, What are you listing immediately? What are you kind of waiting to list? There's nothing that I I list. I try not to list during the break. I try to just do one case at a time, and gotcha. then and sort of list in in the in the meantime. Now, I in, on Twitter, I will post up big hits as they come, and just to give people sort of an idea of, hey, this is what I just pulled, or sure. something like that. But I'm I'm very much open the case. Then I will I will sleeve and top load the stuff, and I'll list it, and, and then go back to, and start the process over that way. But I don't I don't want to get bogged down into listing too many things when I don't have all the product open, because even a day or two behind of opening all my cases could mean a potential loss if there's something in those cases. So to me, it's about opening it up, getting the lower stuff listed first, and then I'll go back and list all the secondary and sort of third level stuff, you know, in the weekend. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I think, uh, it, yeah, I mean, each person has their nuances when they're when they're doing this stuff. But I think one of my lessons learned too was uh, don't first off don't get too far behind, and second, at least have a process in mind. <laughs> Approach it yeah. with some sort of process. Yeah, you, yeah, I think you have to because you just can't you can't open it, open a box and then get sidetracked with someone on Twitter and then on eBay before you know it. It'll be seven hours later and you still have four boxes left. Yeah. And, and let's just be honest, series one or any flagship series is not the most fun to open. There's a lot of pack. There's a lot of cards. Yeah. So it's sort of monotonous at times. So just get it opened and then list what you can and then and then go from there. Yeah. Yep, for sure. No, it's good. Uh, again, another reason breakers don't do this because it, it'll be tedious, boring work, but it's rewarding in the end. Um, okay. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, yeah, I, just, I think you guys just got to realize that the player collectors, you know, those guys are the ones who are going to pay the, the out of the gate premium. So getting mm -hmm. those low those low numbered parallels up first, it's going to greatly benefit you at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, and, and your style is you list everything starting at a penny, right? And you just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just hope. I just hope <laughs> it sells. No, 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 no auctions here. Strictly, you know, best offer you know, yeah. fixed price, but, uh, yeah, no, no, no penny auctions. I can't stress that enough. Those are just sort of a crapshoot. And, and I look, we, we understand case breaking is a crapshoot at times, but our, our, our method here is to ensure it's as little of a crapshoot as possible that we're going in with as much expected return as possible. So yeah. one of the things you don't want to do is, is penny auctions because you are, you are just hoping that something goes your, goes your way and that usually doesn't happen. Yeah. I can't reiterate that enough. Like for new, collectors and breakers for the love all you're doing is costing yourself money you're yeah, impacting and it, the market and you're costing yep. yourself money exactly because you know if you don't know what something should sell for just put a price up there mm -hmm. you know and if it's wrong and it sells quickly you got the money so you know you'll learn from it and you'll go you'll go on yep. but if you list everything in a penny then what happens is sellers who have it you know on the best offer side then start getting offers that well the last one sold at four dollars well look this is a 25 dollar card it's not my yeah. fault that this thing ended at three in the morning on the East Coast. Yep. So yeah, there's you have some ripple effect of, of that in the hobby. But yeah, just if you don't know the pricing, do some researching, research last year's prices and and go from there. But don't be afraid to put a price up. And if it sells immediately, great. You you had a right price. Don't think yeah. of it as you lost money. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. That is the that is the right strategy. All I think all the good sellers now have learned 
learn the hard way at some point that uh, it just makes more sense to put best offers there. And again, it takes 20 seconds to research and figure out what a price should be. And if, it's, if there's not a card on there, it's pretty easy to kind of guesstimate where you should list your card. Yeah, and for any player, you can search up 2018 cards and you see what they're selling for and then yeah. go from there. So, yeah, just a little bit of research. And, you know, when I'm listing cards, I'm always checking previous sales. I, I by no means have an encyclopedia in my brain of what everything sells for. So I'm really looking at what the market was last year, recently, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then the market's going to tell you, right? If you, don't, if you don't know, I mean, don't hesitate to list it for more than you think it should go for because the market will yeah. tell you really quickly. Either through the yeah. offers you get or the fact that you don't get offers. <laughs> yeah. Buyers will tell you what the card's worth quickly. So yeah. yes. Yeah. And for if you sure. get four offers at, at half of your if you get four offers at half of your listing price, well then you know what? You're probably seventy five or twenty five percent higher than you should be. Yeah. And you can negotiate from there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. So who who from the rookie crop are you kind of most excited to pull? What are the two or three names that folks should be really excited about? To me, the, the top two are, are Luis Urias and then Kyle Tucker. Those, to me, are the two names that could potentially drive this product you know, through the first few months of spring training yep. and the start of the baseball season. There are other rookies. You know, there's there's Jeff McNeil for the Mets. You know, Justice Sheffield. He is going to be in a Yankees uniform. So anybody who's buying into a group break, be aware that if you're paying Yankee prices, you're going to end up with a Mariner prospect, and those are not worth much. But <laughs> The other side, you've got Michael Kopech. He's another rookie, but he's the guy you're going to have to sit on. I mean, he's out, to my knowledge, the entire year. So that's mm -hmm. more of a 2020 prospect. Yep. But to me, to me, those those are those are, are the five that I'm looking for. I know there's others out there. I'm sure you've got a couple that you like. But to me, it's Urias and Tucker are the are one and two at the moment. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, th those are the names I like for sure too. I like I like Tuki Toussaint. We talked about that a little bit uh, beforehand, and then. Uh, Bowers is an interesting one to me as well, mm -hmm. especially now that he's he's uh, he's with the Indians. It'd be interesting to see how that yep. affects his, his value. So, yep. Um, yeah, again, this is not a rookie product. No. The rookies are icing on the cake. If a couple of these rookies pan out the first month of the season, it's just more power to you. Good for you for holding, but uh, don't count them though. Don't count on massive Acuna Soto tops update types numbers. And it's not going to happen. No, but on the on the flip side though, you're gonna have second or secondary car sorry, secondary, second year cards of yeah. Acuna, of Soto. They're also in the auto checklist. So they're not gonna be at, at that big of a premium, but for the collector who wants those autos, you're gonna be able to get those now at a more reasonable price, not paying first year first year prices. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, there's really not a lot of folks missing from the auto checklist. Most of the big no. names are on there. Correct. Um, and I I like 84 tops better than 83 anyway. So I just think the design of it's better. So to me, I'll be looking to pick those up if, if I if they're if they're reasonably priced. Now they're gonna come out of the gates extremely strong and the, the market will settle, but we'll see we'll see what the prices look like on those yep. cards. Yep. No, for sure. I, I definitely agree on that. Um now in terms of the short prints, uh I think last year there was a hundred total short prints, seventy-five or short prints, twenty-five or super mm -hmm. short prints. Um, how were those falling between the hobby and jumbos last year? Do you remember? Typically, there were one per box. Okay. You know, as it, you print. know, one one in eleven or one in twenty, something like that. You can pretty much guarantee you would get one per box. Okay. Super short prints were, you know, one maybe one a case, one every two cases. I don't think you those odds are never stated. It's always with something we find out as we go through the product. Yep. But typically, short, super short prints are one. 
every one or two cases. Okay. Uh, for Javi and Jumbo? Yes. Okay. They, they pretty much run the same. The, the problem is with the odds on super short prints is they're just not stated, so you don't, you don't really know. So it's, right. more about, it's more about figuring out, hey, how much did you open? Oh, I opened up six cases. Oh, I have five or I have six. You know, you kind of piece that together. Yep. You know, sort of live in the moment. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Again, those those you'll probably within twenty four to forty eight hours of actual release date, so the thirtieth next week, um, you'll start to see a couple sites. We might even throw something up there, just a yep. variation short print guide, if you will. Yeah, um, and don't, for anybody who's opening this for the first time, you know, check the codes on the back, the bottom right. Any card that is a short, a short print or a super short print is going to have a different number at the bottom, so. Don't just, you're not going to know it's a short print unless you look at the back. Well, you got me excited, man. You got me excited about Series 1 even more so. I got some retail coming in. I know you got a few, uh, I think, eight hobby cases coming in. So, yep. Um, are you the type where, depending on how the product breaks out, you might snag some more cases? Or are you kind of locked into that number and we'll just roll with it? Look, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to buying more. I, yeah. I want to get these opened. And if I see a good return and I see the market moving in the right direction, you know, I will definitely reinvest that money and pick up more cases. I will be very strict on picking up cases in the first month with silver packs if I'm buying more because those are very easy to sell. You know, yep. I'm not opening silver packs, but it will. But yeah, I'm not opposed to to reinvesting that money in the next 30 days for more series one. Cool. Awesome. Um, good stuff uh, for folks listening. Definitely. Uh definitely check out the show notes because there will be a link to Chris's store, CRT sports cards, um, $5 off $25 order. Um, so you can use that and yep. purchase up some of the top series one stuff coming out. It's a nice little deal. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I enjoy doing this and, and just be to be clear, you have to click that link and that's where you can access my store with that link. So if you just go to my store and try to buy something the, the promotion will not work. So you, you have to go through that link on the website and, and go from there. Beautiful. No, I love it. I'll, uh, I'll throw that out on the, uh, on the old Twitter as well. Um, you're so, covering that loss, right? So you're, you're paying me five bucks back every time I sell one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Deal. Perfect. Uh, I will. <laughs> I will. I will send it over to you after about a few weeks and, and make sure I get that money back from you quickly. Yeah. So no. And by the way, that take coupon Bitcoin, is, right? say what now? You take Bitcoin. Is that? I do cool? take Bitcoin. Yeah. But, but previous pricing. <laughs> well, well, well no, no, I don't actually don't want that. Actually, I don't want that. That'd be terrible. No, but, <laughs> Uh, the coupon's good from about 8.30 on Wednesday morning when I should get my product in pretty yep. close to Wednesday, and it runs through midnight on Sunday night. I think I think, I think I have it set for like 1 a.m., but really Sweet. anything through the weekend, I have listed it up. You know, I will that coupon will be good, but of course on Twitter, I'll be putting more of my hits and stuff like that, so reach out to me there. We'll talk. We can talk offline. You know, we'll, we'll go from there. Awesome. Love it. Are you excited about Itra? Back in the Seattle Mariners uniform. Yeah, but I mean, he's what forty-five years old. Look, <laughs> it's going to be great to have him in Japan playing the first couple games. I'm I'm hesitant on hearing these reports that he wants to play next year. You know, he struggled last year, but with Kikuchi on the team now, you know, there's going to we'll see how it goes. I I just I like him as a fan. I enjoy him in the clubhouse. I think he brings a wealth of knowledge to the team. He helps those guys out because we have so many young guys right now, especially yeah. in the minors. Right. I think he's going to, I think his worth to the team is greater than any contract that he can give him right now. But if they start trotting him out every three days to play right field or left field or whatever it is, you know, I'm going to be, 
you know, like, what are we doing here? Like, la- that was last year. You know, it's yeah. over, done with. I mean, let's not do this rehash retirement tour again. So, but, well, and I, I think the Mariners, they're, they're demonstrating by the trades they made in December that they're, they want to get younger. I mean, they just got incredibly young. Correct. So that and would I, be I, the wrong move. Yeah. And look, Edgar has, you know, thankfully number one in the Hall of Fame now as of yesterday. But, yeah. you know, he's taking a step back. He's not going to be a hitting coach anymore. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be the the hitting emeritus or whatever whatever his title is these days. So mm-hmm. he's going to be able to give these guys, you know, the you know some back-end help and things like that. And so you mix Edgar with Ichiro for these guys for the next three to four years. I mean, if you can't hit after that, I mean, have a great day. So... <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can find a better team right now with two hitting instructors or guys that can teach you how to hit. Totally, yeah. So I'm excited to see him in Japan. I'm excited to see all the changes. I think for us Mariner fans, it's going to be a challenging couple of years. But they have somewhat of an interesting team put together at the Major League side. So we'll see if Edwin stays around. We'll see how J.P. Crawford does. Yeah. You know, we still got Kyle Seeger. He, I like Seeger, but he, he was pretty bad last year. We've got D. Gordon. He's probably playing second base. He might be pitching. We don't know with Depoto what what D Gordon's doing next year, but you know it's uh, we'll see how it goes. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Seattle. Yeah, I think yeah. they're they're turning in the right. They're, they're transforming into an exciting team, and that yeah. that to me is is pretty fun. Yeah, and um, in five years from now, with with the prospects coming up and our our you know yeah. our top prospects developing, we'll see. It's interesting going to the top 30 prospects right now and seeing like five different teams of jerseys on the like top 10 people. Like none of our guys are homegrown. So it's like the yeah. most hot spot group, but it's a pretty stout class. So we'll see, we'll see how the reimagining works in the next three to four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like some of the good teams have figured out a way to do that. You know, it's just, it's really, really hard to homegrow yep. your talent. It's just yep. really hard to do it. So yeah, we're no Kansas city anymore. I mean, that'd be amazing mm-hmm. to have at least a couple year run with that. So that's true. That's true. Well, we'll see how our guys play this year, but uh, yeah, there might have been a, that. There's a reason that happened once every 30 years <laughs> for a small market <laughs> team like us. Exactly. No, I follow um, you there. What'd you think about the Hall of Fame? Uh, and I know all the talk is about the fact that Mariano Rivera um, is the first unanimous um, selection. What What do you think about that? Or do you? Even I mean, it, if I mean. Look, if Griffey's not unanimous, I, I I get the sentiment behind you know Mariano, but I mean if you're in, you're in. I, I it's great, he's 100, percent but you know did yeah. I get 75? Yes, you're in. Good job. Yeah. You know, so I don't I don't really I, I'd say the word care, but I mean he's 100. percent I think what's a bigger question next couple of years is does McGuire, does Bond, do they start creeping up again? Or are they pretty much stick, sticking at 60? percent Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, my gut says that they're not making it in if they couldn't make it yeah. in this class. Um, so, yeah, is it, that will be interesting to watch. Yeah, and as a Mariners fan, I mean, if you think about it, this is going to be our last Hall of Fame player in probably the next 25 years. Mm. Because A-Rod is, yeah, he's a Mariner, theoretically speaking, but if he ever gets in, it'll be 15 years from now, you know, maybe in the Veterans Committee, because I don't think he's getting in, being voted in. You know, yes, Beltre played for us for four years, but for the Mariner fans, after three years of really Edgar and, and Griffey, for us, it's we're basically not going to, to the Hall of Fame for the next 25, 30 years. Good Ichiro. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Ichiro. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I, I can forget he's been retired. He hasn't been retired yet. He, he might yeah. still play for 20 years. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the first 60-year-old Major League player. 
I know. So we'll see. Uh, we he doesn't retire, so his his clock never starts. So I always forget about him because he's always playing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he'll he'll sit out for four years, and that fourth year, he'll jump back in. Yeah, a game or two. Uh, Reset I, the clock. Exactly. He'll play a game. Like I'm done again. It's like no, yeah. your clock started again. So. <laughs> I, we need to see some sort of article around his diet. I need to know his diet. Yeah, it's incredible. And so I, I was lucky to meet him last year. I got a picture with him. It was really, it was really interesting. But yeah, guy's lean. I mean, it's crazy for a guy in his mid forties just to be that in shape and that flexible and all that good. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah, it's he's probably like a, similar to Tom Brady's TB12, or whatever they call it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom Brady, that guy does not. He does not age like he should. Uh, we'll talk about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, awesome. Well, good stuff, man. Thanks for breaking this down. Uh, yes. Folks, go check out CRT Sports Cards. I'll, I'll tag them on the Twitter post and all that good stuff on the site. But, uh, yeah, man, good luck with your break next week. I'm sure we'll be talking quite a bit. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. If you guys have any questions, reach out to me on Twitter. And do not forget to use that coupon code on the website for the $5 off. Beautiful. All right, man. Talk to you. Awesome. Thanks, Ty. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris. So let's take a few minutes and let's break down what's happening with the Contenders pricing ladder. So again, for folks that don't know, the Contenders pricing ladder, uh, or any pricing ladder for that matter, is really, it's it's a it's a summary of daily prices uh, over the course of that period of time. So, and this Contenders release is this volume one, so the first release of it. It's looking at prices basically from release day. Um, until January 15th. So it's about five or six business days of data uh, after the release. And I'm looking at all sold auctions and I'm stripping out all of the other things that kind of affect prices and some of the anomalies, maybe a mislisting, maybe a a quantity of two or three. I'm doing all that stuff to make sure that we get an accurate view of really the rookie ticket base auto prices. I do this for... um, Prism Silvers, which are obviously a big deal in basketball. I do it for Bowman Draft pricing for prospect autos. Um, And then I also, every once in a while, I'll throw in another product there, um, like a Bowman uh, auto pricing for regular Bowman auto pricing for baseball. But uh, for football, the big deal is contenders, rookie ticket autos, and there are uh, I think 123 names on the checklist. And so digging through that and cleaning it up is is no easy task, but it's done. Go to breakculture.com uh, and you'll see it right there on the front page or you can just click on pricing ladders in the very top and you'll be able to find the drop down for 2018 football, okay? So let's talk a little bit about what actually is happening with the data. And uh, the update for volume two is coming here in two days. So it'll be fun to see kind of how this changes. But um, first and foremost, um, the guys with the most sales volume, um, and I'll just read them off in this order, are number one, Baker Mayfield with 21 sold rookie ticket autos. Number two, Roquan Smith with um, 19 sold. Uh, Jake Camaro with 18 sold. Chase Litton with 18 sold. And Josh Allen with 17 sold. Okay, so um, I wanted to make sure you got an idea of both ends of the spectrum both in terms of who had the most volume and then on the back side of this, who had the least volume. And that's important because, as you may know, with Contenders Autos, there are short prints and there are super short prints. And they don't release that information for sometimes 
years after the release. Um, and so you can kind of get a good vibe for which ones are short printed and which ones are super short printed just based on the activity, which ones are not popping up very often. And so this, if you go, if you scroll the bottom of the, of the report, you'll see the ones that I, I kind of rank no sales in the first six days. And then the, the ones that have the players that have less than two completed sales in the first week. Um, and so you'll find about 10 names with no sales on there. And you can go in there and check those out. And you'll find the ones, there's another 10 names where they had less than two sales. And so the names that stand out to me on the no sales list are, and these are probably the bigger names of, the t of those 10, Bradley Chubb, Christian Kirk for the Cardinals, which I found pretty interesting. Um, Cedric Wilson for the Cowboys was one of those. Um, Quentin Nelson for the Colts. So those are the four that I think stand out. There's, there's six others on there too, so check it out. The ones with less than two sales, um, really no massive names. Again, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, if they're super short print, they're going to they're gonna demand price, um, just basic supply and demand. And the fact that a lot of people want those super, super short prints, especially early on. But Cortland Sutton uh, had one sale. It's going for 30 bucks right now too. That's what it sold for. Um, so keep an eye on that. But yeah, use that to your advantage. And if you keep scrolling down, you'll find I, I put a couple tabs down there. So if you want to look through really quickly what's on eBay for different categories, crack dice, variation autos, breaks ending right now, I got it all on there for you. And you can you can bid right there from this website. But but anyway, let's talk about the top 10. Number one on the list, and I think we all expected this, was uh, Baker Mayfield. Great volume, average price was around seven hundred and ten dollars. It was actually seven thirteen. Um, so he uh, he averaged that. The average rookie ticket auto across the board was fifty three dollars and eighty nine cents. Um, so that's what you're looking at. Uh, a really really healthy average this year. Um, so I think it, it's really it's pretty impressive to me to see how well the football market is handling contenders this year um, number two in the list saquon barkley average base auto rookie ticket was going for 502 uh, volume analysis we'll, we gave it a b he's kind of right there near the top but but not in the top tier uh, sam darnold comes in at number three with a 430 dollars price tag uh, volume analysis is a c minus did not have good volume uh, and again that could be for numerous reasons um, but uh but it wasn't scary enough to think that he's a short print. Josh Allen, A minus in volume analysis, number four, but uh, at a price of about two hundred and ten dollars. So really, the first three you got Baker at seven thirteen, Saquon at five hundred three, and Darnold at four thirty, and then it drops off considerably to Josh Allen at two hundred nine. Uh, Josh Rosen's number five at two hundred three eighty seven. Volume analysis is a B minus. Lamar Jackson, interesting here, uh, one seventy five. Average sell price, volume analysis is a D. Did not have very many, had less than six. Um, so keep an eye on that. Uh, and again, not saying that he's a short print, but uh, a little concerning for a big name to, to be pretty low in the volume, uh, especially a guy like Lamar Jackson who ended the year pretty hot. Number seven is the, is the first receiver on the board, Calvin Ridley, average price at 99. Uh, volume analysis is a C plus. And then... Uh, the first, uh, second running back is, is uh, Nick Chubb at number eight, coming in at $82. Volume analysis is D as well, so about the same as Lamar Jackson. Uh, number nine, Leighton Van Der Esch is at $79. Very surprising how high that's going. Um, and then Sony Michelle at number 10 at 79 I kind of suspect that to go up a little bit too, so that'll be interesting to watch. 
couple names that stood out to me. One, Nick Chubb. Uh, I thought at 82, I thought a little low. I think it probably is 100, 120, somewhere, maybe even 150. Um, I think maybe the second best running back in the class. Uh, although Sonny Michelle is coming on pretty strong, so that'll be that'll be fun to watch as, uh, as New England plays in the Super Bowl. See if that affects his pricing. The name that I thought was a little overpriced was Royce Freeman. Uh, his average sell price was 24. Uh, I watched a lot of Royce Freeman this year, mainly because I went into the year pretty excited about him, but I just was not impressed. Um, again, that, that could mean that prices pull back a little bit and it becomes a steal as you head into 2019 and 20 season. But uh, I just don't think 24 bucks is going to hold up. I think it's a $10 auto. Um, so interesting to watch that. Now, from a break perspective, here, here's how we look at things. We look at what is the, we, we add all the, the, the autos together for each team. So we take all the Cleveland Brown autos and, and we add them together and we we put an average price, or excuse me, not an average price, a total price together for each team. So you know which teams are worth the most if you were to get an auto from each of them. And obviously that's not the case, um, but it's kind of the, the easiest and kind of the most consistent way of measuring the value of a team um, from a break perspective. So uh, I have that there in a chart, and that'll be updated every week as well, so you can kind of see how teams move. And over time, you'll start to see some teams become a little bit more valuable and some become a little less valuable. But by far, Cleveland Browns are number one at about a $850 clip, obviously being drug along by the high prices of Baker Mayfield. Second, the Giants. And then the third team, New York uh, Jets. So you got two New York teams in the top three. Buffalo Bills, number four. Cardinals, number five. Then it goes Ravens, Cowboys, Steelers, Patriots, Falcons. So it, it kind of aligns with the top ten. Um, a couple exceptions there where the Falcons drop to 10 and the, and the Ravens kind of side up there to six. And um, it'll be interesting if, if the Cardinals do, if we see that Christian Kirk really is a super short print, um, that'll, that'll drive the prices up for the, for the Cardinals. So keep an eye on that. Um, right below the Falcons, you got the Redskins, Packers, and Broncos, um, and then the Bears and Dolphins. So there's the top 15. So use that to your advantage too, as you're, as you're jumping in breaks looking at mixers and trading teams, you can find some good value there. The bottom three on the list, the worst on the list is the Vikings. The second worst is the Chiefs. And the third worst is the Houston Texans. So um, hopefully that's helpful for you. And then I go ahead and throw the overall ranking up there for you. Again, you you can right-click that and save that on your desktop. Use it if you want. Um, that'll be updated weekly. Um, again, that shows, I, I, I give you the pricing for every player, then I also give you volume analysis. I just color code it. Um, that's based. It's relative based on everybody else. So um, it's a good. It's a good gauge to see which ones are comparatively doing uh, selling for more and have more activity. It's also great over time because you're going to see some trends. You're going to start to see. Well, shoot, this guy's picking up in volume. It looks like investors are starting to to buy into the idea of certain players. So hope this is helpful for you. Uh, feel free to use this. Provide us. Feedback, tell us what you think should be a little bit different, and we're happy to make those changes. But, uh, but yeah, go be a smart collector. Go spend your money wisely and uh, use Breaker Culture for all of your analytical needs. Have a great week.